everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Bake. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the hit Netflix show, The Umbrella Academy. This week we are covering Season 2, Episode 4, The Majestic 12. Majestic 12. Uh-huh. I was so curious as to what that title uh, meant, and it was uh, it, it did not disappoint. It's not yeah. what I expected, but <laughs> it was it was great. I, I l- really liked this episode this week. Yeah. Hey, what did you think? Just general thoughts. I, oh, I I loved it. I thought it was a really good episode. Had a lot of a lot of story building that really kind of moving stuff. I think you know, and we'll talk about specifics later for sure in our top five, especially about like the different connections and stuff in the episode. And then yeah. the music was so good in this episode. Oh and there's some really like really hard hitting moments as well, like emotionally. So I think it was. I don't know if perfect is a pretty dangerous word to use, but it, it's, it's close to that. It was a great episode for sure. Oh, mama, I'm in fear <laughs> for my life from the long arm of the law. Yeah. Do you know? I was singing along with that song the whole time. <laughs> I knew it. And I, yeah, as soon as that song came on, I was like... Rima is digging this. Oh <laughs> like my right up her alley. You just, if, I wish sometimes, I mean, and nobody would care about this except for me, but I wish I had somehow been able to like record my face or my reaction right? when this came on, because I know that like my whole, it wasn't just my face and like a smile broke out on my face. My whole body lit <laughs> up when this song came up and I was uh-huh. like oh my god do you know how much I used to sing this song as a kid I don't know if that's right or wrong running around st- uh, singing Sticks Renegade you know when you're like <laughs> six and seven years old but I did and I loved this song so much growing up oh, I mean yeah. I have great of music, memories but... of jamming this song with my dad driving around in his truck when I was a little kid yeah, uh, on the highway going out and like you know just father son times we'd be cramming you know jamming the radio Aww. and this song would come on and we would just like let loose it was awesome so, oh yeah. <laughs> i love that i love that what a good story father son time and jamming out to some music that is that where yeah. you get your musical inclinations all of your eclectic uh some of taste? it some of yeah. it i do most of it is like my mom and my grandmother have really awesome. big musical influence and so most of it i get from them but me and my dad shared a couple of moments. So yeah, he was, yeah, more of this, you know, Bob Seger and the cars. Oh. My love of the cars comes yeah. from my dad, 100%. Nice. Kiss, he's a huge Kiss fanatic. And so that was like mm-hmm. a present that I got him for Christmas or whatever a couple of years ago is uh, Ace Freely was touring through the area. So I bought him tickets and, you know, we took him to see Ace and that was a fun oh, time. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a huge Kiss fan too. So this episode for me, I mean, I already thought it was pretty damn good and they had to throw this music into it. And I mean, I think I, it was just like fireworks inside of me the entire time because I'm a big Kiss fan. I, remember I saw them in 19... Oh my God, I'm going to age myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say yes. I'm in 1988. <laughs> and oh my gosh. And I've been a um, Gene Simmons fan for, gosh, probably seven or eight years old. You know, and and 
one of my relatives had a you know kiss poster she was into the same kind of music that's where a lot of my musical influence came from whenever i was younger and so she had a lot of rock band posters and she had one of kiss and i just you know was a huge kiss fan and gene simmons and you know so um yeah all the classic kiss songs are right up my alley and i just i dig that one i'll (laughs) i'll turn that baby up and just jam out and i thought it was a perfect um companion to that uh fight scene yes that whole sequence which i I know that we'll talk about more i I feel like we're gonna start talking about the episode (laughs) here but i think we both really love this episode so and it sounds like we're really itching to talk about it so um would you like to start us off this week with your number five all right my number five is um reginald hargreaves we're going to talk yeah. about old Reggie again the for a little man, bit. man, yeah. <laughs> um, the note from that first episode makes its return. I told you. I knew it was going to be important. I had to put <laughs> it down. And that's what exactly they take. You know, that note uh, sends them to the Mex- Mexican consulate. And mm-hmm. so they show up at the party there to meet up with Reginald Hargreaves or to kind of scope it out and see if he is part of this majestic 12 that Elliot seemed to know a lot about the secret society for some reason, but leave it sure to the conspiracy did. guy. He's going to know. <laughs> well, and so he's really interested in UFOs and aliens. Yeah. And I was doing a little research about the majestic 12 because yeah. they were a real organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and they were actually made up of scientists, military leaders, government officials to investigate alien spacecraft. So, probably makes sense that he would probably kind of know um, about them. I think there's yeah. a twist a little bit in, in for the purposes of this show, but I think that's kind of how they're tying it in, and because he is so into that um, world of conspiracy theories and yeah. UFOs and aliens. Yeah. yeah. Of course, he'd have so his good. right on the pulse of that. Yeah, because I, I looked it up to a little bit, because, you know, the name of... Uh, Hoyt Hillencoder was, you know, mm-hmm. I had to kind of look that up and yeah, he's a real person and real, you know, all of that was, he yeah. Is. So it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really interesting. Uh, Reginald Hargreaves turning up here. Is he, was he really, I mean, I'm assuming, yes, he really was at, I guess that question was answered. He, he was a part of that group as well, but yeah. you know, what is his involvement and exactly what are they doing? I know we can read about like what they really were, but are, you know, are they staying true to that here? Or are they mm-hmm. kind of, um, you know, kind of making their own little story or twist out of it? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Cause when they're having their meeting, they're talking about, you know, Oh yeah, we've got confirmation that the parade route is this and they're taking this turn on this street. And so at least at face value, it looks like they are like planning or plotting the assassination of president Kennedy Maybe there's a there'll be a twist where maybe they're trying to actually save him, but I don't I don't know. But it it looks like they're definitely involved and know that something's going down. I think they definitely want us to think that. I mean, it could be true, um, especially since we already know that Reginald Hardgreaves was spotted um, in that video footage mm-hmm. that five uh, was given by Hazel, so he knows he was there. But yeah, is it because they're responsible for the assassination, or were they, like you said, maybe trying to prevent it? I don't know. Yeah. I think they were, I think they're making it look like they're trying to plan, plan for it or make sure that it happens or something like that. Yeah. But who knows? We, all kinds of twists in the show. So <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to like, look, like expect the show to, you know, go away from my expectations. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so now it's even harder because it's like, well, now it looks like that, but so maybe it's exactly not that. 
So. Exactly. And then they're going to flip it and it's going to be exactly that. <laughs> and <laughs> Maybe I have to stay on my toes with the show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're going to have us twisting and turning in every which way. Um, yeah, that was really great. Um, well, my number five, it's a little bit different, but that's okay. Because I feel like we're probably going to have all the same points. They're just going to maybe de- be in diff- <laughs> uh, uh, different orders. Um, but my number five, I'm going to talk about Lila. All right. Um, we talked about her last week because we found out, you know, we were intrigued by her. She's very fascinating character. She's definitely not one dimensional. And we wanted to learn more about her. And what we learned last week, her being the handler's daughter, Oof. at least adoptive daughter from what we we um, gleaned in this episode is, you know, it's not her um, biological, but she was somehow involved in her her parents killing so that was interesting so i i have so many questions uh, and i of course don't expect you to have these answers but just <laughs> questions that i have so who were her parents that be, yeah. and and why why was the commission interested in them because that i mean if, if the handler's there then the commission had to be involved in some way or at least yeah. she was and the person that assassinated them didn't that seem like that was Hazel? It looked like Hazel. I think they never showed his face, but yeah, body wise, I was I really thought yeah that, that was Hazel. Yeah, um, that's where I thought too because they made great effort to hide hide their face. Mm-hmm. So at least we think it was someone like Hazel, or at least someone that worked for the um, the commission like they did because they dressed uh, very similar. Yeah. So she was there and had something to do with that. So it of course begs the question, well, why they look like ordinary people, ordinary house, ordinary people. Mm-hmm. Why, why would the commission be interested in them? And so who were her parents? And yeah, well, based uh, off of ep- uh, season one, cause I know when five worked for the commission, you know, as he grew up and was, you know, an old man, he mm-hmm. did say that, I mean, that was, they would, he would go on missions to kill people that, seemingly in you know in history were just were nobodies but then he would you know they would have to kill them because it was kind of that butterfly effect thing if we take them out of the timeline then x and y horrible thing doesn't happen because of you know whatever and that's right so that i think that you that you're you're fresh on season one (laughs) i think that's really that may have been all it was was lila's parents were just kind of these unfortunate souls that happened to be for whatever reason, whatever, yeah. For whatever reason, them he being was taken correcting out. The timeline, yeah. Wasn't that kind of how he put it? It was like correcting the timeline or something. Yeah. Okay. And then the handler being there, what I did, I was wondering about that situation was if it was just you know they were there for the purpose of killing the parents, and then they didn't expect Lila to be there, or mm-hmm. or if maybe there was a reason that maybe because in something in the timeline, we'll flip this on its head maybe the whole purpose of it was because the handler needed Lila and needed to train Lila and had to take her from her parents. Hmm. <laughs> We're getting deep. Well, mm. I like that. I like that, but I'm going to throw, throw another curveball out right. here. Uh, I'm wondering, could Lila be one of the 43? Ooh. I mean, she, we haven't, seen like a superpower like the others have you know where you know you can jump in time or you know like uh vanya you know yeah um, have the superpower with with the sound sound waves and things like that or diego but she was pretty darn skilled when she is. i don't know if her. the timeline matches up well because i'm so, trying to think because how, how old would the siblings with the you know seven okay. be in 2019 so they, 
They were born in 1989. Okay. Because this and took when place we, in 98? 93. 93. 93. She was four years old. She was four old. years old. So, okay. Yeah. Then I think that, yeah, that kind, kind of would work out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to remember the exact date of that. So, yeah, 93. Then, yeah, that could work. Yeah. Ooh, that's nice what, catch. <laughs> well, I had to do a little math, and that's not my strong suit. <laughs> So I got lucky on that one. But I mean, whenever I turn Netflix on and I'm getting ready to watch the Umbrella Academy, the the little like trailer where it comes on before I actually hit the button to go ahead and start. Like if I'm just, I'm like, okay, just flip it to Umbrella Academy. I'm going to walk away for just a second um, to like grab a drink or grab a snack or just whatever. And it's playing and it, it starts out, you know. Um, in 1989, blah, 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 you know, and all the, okay. you know, the talks about the 43 kids. So it, it, it's been repetitively played in my head. You know, sometimes my brain fires when it's supposed to. Most days, no. <laughs> this time I got lucky. But anyway, thought thought that was just really interesting. Loved, I loved the whole sequence. They didn't waste a lot of time on her uh, flashbacks with the handler. So I thought it was really cool that we see why was she so skilled? Hey, how does she learn how to hotwire a car? Well, she probably learned that in her training Mm -hmm. with the handler and the commission. Okay. And then she knows all of these languages. She's a badass, you know, at deflecting or not really deflecting, but being able to avoid live gunfire. This girl looked to be like 10 years old and she's out there dodging live ammunition. So I like how that we got that background. So we have a few questions that were answered, but we didn't have to spend a whole lot of time doing it. Mm-hmm. So I did like that. Uh, but I, you know, so I, I'm still not sure. I kind of, I kind of still like her, even though I feel like she's kind of still working for, you know, she's working for the other side. I still find her really fascinating and I hope she turns. I hope she yeah. turns on the handler and the commission and I hope her and Diego become a thing. I think they have a real cute spark together and um, I think that she's already falling for him and that's why she didn't want to kill him when the handler's like, well, why don't you just kill Diego? You know, that'll make <laughs> you feel better. And she's like, nah, you know, and the, I don't know, just something about how she looks at him, like when they were getting ready to dance and stuff, she just got this look in her yeah. eye that I, it doesn't seem to be like she's and maybe she's she might have me fooled i don't know but to me it looks like she's got a thing for him like she's yeah. really fallen for him i'm buying into it a little bit i think that she might actually have some feelings for him at this point yeah well she looked really torn when she was um going upstairs when diego and five were fighting huey dewey and louie which are my <laughs> new nicknames for the swedes yeah. um but when when she went up there and she saw, you know, Diego needed help and she looked really torn, like she looked really upset that she couldn't go help him because she had promised that she would protect five at all costs. So she went to go help him first. Yeah. And so I I don't know. I, I, I think that there's really a spark there that she really does like him. I don't I know if that'll do. be good or bad, you know, that something tragic will happen and they're just not going to work out because she's on the other side of things but i really hope she turns yeah so anyway that's my number five like what's it. your number four my number four is vanya and the cooper family and their relationships a little bit there mm-hmm. um, mainly kind of near the end of the episode with the the two big moments that vanya has with with each harlan and sissy respectively um, the scene where she saves Harlan from the pond was 
extremely intense and like it was I, after it was like over and he was okay and sissy's like crying and so like i was starting to tear up a little bit and i was like i don't even know why exactly like i was like everything's <laughs> okay but like it just it hit me really hard and yeah it was just it was one of those things it was really intense to watch and just like emotionally gripped me and i love that you know her powers just kind of came to her when she needed them and mm-hmm. and then like the best way that i've seen so far where they were like very like she was like deeply like focused and so she was like controlling and honing that power really well and yeah. i think maybe as cheesy as it sounds maybe it's because she's using those powers out of love or you know focus you know on mm-hmm. things instead of in season one, we see her the only time she's using those powers are out of like fear or anger or like a confusion of what they are and what she is. And now that she, I mean, I guess she kind of knows Trail. whatever five had told her and mm-hmm. she's seen it in action now. So she knows that she has these powers, maybe without the confusion of it so much or the fear of it. She's like, okay, I know what I can do. So let me, let me do it. Yeah. It was really great to see her being able to harness those powers, like you said, yeah. and her focus and control and to kind of see that she can do some good with that. She doesn't have to just destroy the moon and cause the apocalypse, <laughs> yeah. you know, like she's power, powerful enough to do that, but we don't have to, we don't have to do that. Like we can actually see it being used for other things. It's, I think, really great to see the extension of some of their powers, kind of like what we saw in the first episode you know, when, when five jumps in and all of a sudden he's right in the middle of a battle and here they come, you know, and they're all yeah. kind of, you know, found different ways to use them or they're, they've been strengthened somehow and, and, you know, or maybe they've just learned more about how to use their powers. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll find out more as, as, as we get along, but you know, yeah, yeah it was a great uh, use of her powers. And it, I think she's so strong and powerful and yeah. her powers are fascinating. It was really cool to see that. And she I love how like, her eyes glow. Yeah. The eyes are cool. And she had like a new aspect to the power, something new that we haven't seen before that while she was kind of giving CPR to Harlan, she practically like breathed life into him. Like there's yeah. like this life force that like went into his lungs and into his chest. And I don't think he would have made it if it wasn't for that. Right. Well, and I'm glad that you're bringing this up. This is actually my number three point. And it's specifically, what are those balls of light that that were released into Harlan when she breathed back into him? Because was he like all the way dead? You know, like, did she bring back the dead? It kind of seemed like that. I mean, his lips were very blue, purple kind of color. I mean, I didn't think he was in there very long, but... but I know, it was a little little hard (laughs) to... Because I thought, man, he just splashed in yeah. the water. And I mean, I, I know it doesn't take that long to really drown. And they I mean, especially if he's while, but... panicking and sucking water and stuff in. Right. And, yeah. Right. But it still, se- yeah, it still seemed a little, a little quick. But I thought, oh, my gosh, was he like all the way like dead? Like he wasn't just <laughs> needed to be revived or, you know, have have the water pushed out of his lungs like he was he really gone and can she bring back the dead because and and you you you're fresh on season one remember uh was it the finale when reginald hargreaves released the balls of light into the air what opened a jar or something yeah uh uh-huh which was was it the same balls of light i don't know 
I'd have are to, they related? Do all the kids have that? I, I'm throwing. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Answer me, Peg. Damn it! What you I'm supposed give to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm so full of questions this episode. Oh I man, yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Um, but yeah, I was like that. That reminded me of those balls of light. Are they? Are those related to the kids and their powers? Or and Maybe. what are they? Yeah, is it just I, Banya? I'm not sure because if they are, then I, I assume that's how. I mean, I don't know. Then is Hargreaves responsible for the 43 being born? Is that how he did it? Is like a way of I, releasing the life force out into people? I don't know. I think <laughs> he is. Yeah. I think he somehow caused that to happen. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Gosh. And then the other part of this point, you know, it's, there's so many questions that that all gives, but then is the, uh, the moment between Vanya and Sissy also kind of near the end, mm-hmm. which, you know, the relationship between them is, you know, they've been sprinkling these little hints in there, but I always kind of thought maybe it was just kind of a red herring or, you know, to get people thinking or talking. Mm-hmm. But so I honestly did not expect it when it happened. Um, I mean, I know that Sissy has kind of grown this like dependence to Vanya and I mean, both Sissy and Harlan are very, very attached and like love her deeply. Like it's, you know, been established that she is family to them. But I was kind of wondering in that moment, which I'm not one to judge somebody in their, you know, heat of the moment, you know, kind of emotional feelings towards somebody. But I'm like, is this something like an attraction, you know, just because it's finally somebody who actually sees her and listens to her for who she is? And so it's just kind of a further attempt to keep her around or is it honestly like a genuine connection? And if so, I mean, that's, you know, just if, if it's because it's a connection that it's somebody who finally sees her for who she is, that's more than enough. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I just hope that it's a genuine, a genuine like, reaction versus just another ploy to kind of keep her around because they've grown dependent on her. But, I know. agree. I agree. Yeah, I I saw it coming for a while. I feel like they've, like you said, kind of sprinkled that out throughout different episodes and how close they have become, you know, to each other and both leaning on each other. And her husband is fairly absent, doesn't seem to be tuned in to her at all, which I, I feel you know, happens a lot in many relationships. Yeah. And it doesn't. It's not always a man. Um, it can be the woman too, but you know, happens a lot in relationships and the person's not just tuned in and they, you know, someone comes into your life and there's this unexpected connection and it, things happen for sure. Uh, she, she's, she has to feel very alone in her life. You know, like she said, her husband doesn't see her, her son, you know, can't, can't or won't talk to her. It mm-hmm. has to be very lonely. And to have someone like Vanya in her life and Vanya's practically like a clean slate now. You know, she everything that she knew about herself, she's forgotten. You know, mm-hmm. she doesn't know who the old Vanya was. So this she she's like this new person. So there's so many new possibilities now with her and her life and what she can do with her life. And you know, they they have this connection with each other and you know, I think that definitely sparked things between them. You know, they just feel, you know, good around each other and have this connection and companionship. And, you know, they have this easy relationship that it seems like she doesn't have with her husband and she has a difficult relationship with her son. And so and then Vanya, again, just looking for looking for something because she's alone, too. Yeah. 
or or was alone. Now her siblings are all clearly. She's kind of learning more about her past. But for for the time, you know, when she got dropped into the 60s or whatever she was alone uh, so she was kind of in the same boat so i don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens with those two yeah for sure good thoughts good thoughts uh, my number four i want to talk about the return of grace all right <laughs> man that that was a shocker and where i wonder does she fit in this story yeah because it seems a little off from what we originally knew about her because you know and what i had taken from the first season was that grace the the robot mom there's a new sitcom spinoff for you grace the robot mom (laughs) um but you know we saw that like reginald created her kind of as like a nanny that could deal with vanya and her powers and her like attitude and yeah and so i guess is is this, you know, grace that we're seeing now, like this actual lady from the, from, you know, Texas in the sixties that Reginald had a relationship with. And then later on, he based grace, the robot mom off of her. I don't know. <laughs> Good little jingle. I like that jingle. I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I had the same questions. Like where does she fit in the story? So in this episode, you know, he is her date so did did they have a more meaningful relationship you know did did she mean more to him later because if 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 in the 60s they met and knew each other and she was a real life person and he decides to base the you know he he creates grace to be like a a mother figure to his his all of his kids because I mean, he's a crappy father, right? So, yeah. hey, let's let's create a mom for them, someone that can nurture them, can you know, because he's not nurturing, he's not giving, and you know, he's not what you would think of as a, a in my opinion, a good dad, yeah. and, and and being present in their lives, and um, so he decides to give them that in the form of grace. So, it seems like if he's if he's willing to base his children's mom off of her she must have meant a great deal to him because yeah. he could have just created any robot and gave her some generic face of you know just created something out of thin air he actually modeled it after her even gave her the same name yeah so really curious to kind of learn a little bit more about her and their relationship did they actually have you know did they ever actually get married at one time or something i don't know yeah Uh, and then diego's reaction Mm -hmm. that tugged at my heartstrings when he sees her and then confronts her and he you know she's got her back turned to him and he he goes mom and i was just like Oh man, you know, and just the look on his face because you know he did have that. Yeah, they had know, a really very special relationship. They did. So Diego's reaction really, really got to me. There was so many feels in this episode. I mean, mm-hmm. this episode had me up and down. You know, I was like tearful one moment, and then I was up like dancing on my bed the next. You know, with this awesome, <laughs> awesome uh, soundtrack that they had for this episode. So really really great moment so i thought that was interesting as well but i'm i'm interested to learn more about grace and i was really surprised to learn that she was a real person yeah it was really interesting 
Yeah. So anyway, that's my number four. All right. What's your number three? My number three, and I'm sure you probably also have this somewhere, <laughs> but I want to talk about, I think we've established like collectively our favorite character. So we can't go without talking about Klaus and yeah, specifically his like hardships and pains that he's dealing with in this episode. Um, yeah. I was just, you know, the, the, the scene where he sits down at the diner with Dave was after that whole interaction, I was like, poor Klaus, poor Dave, but also way more importantly, poor Klaus. Because you can see Dave in that moment is also very pained and very conflicted. And, Mm -hmm. and it's just, here's the other part of this, this time period that I figured we would get into. I mean, I don't think it's going to be as impactful as, as Allison's storyline, but it is something that I wondered about going back into the sixties in the South is, you know, civil rights era for black people is a major deal, but also like being, you know, a part of the LGBTQ community in this time period was not an easy thing either. No. And I mean, it's still not easy today in, you know, certain places and cases, but uh, back then the same way, I mean, it's, it was much worse. And so it's hard to see Klaus kind of facing that. And I'm sure he's had his fair share in his life of, of bigotry and certain people, but, but, you know, having that in that uh interaction with Dave and seeing that Dave, you know, chooses to act out of fear of being judged by his family members and stuff there and, and strikes out at Klaus having the, the past slash future that they have together that Klaus knows about. It, it's, it's really sad to see. It was, it was this. Yeah, you're right. This was actually uh, my number two. So mm-hmm. <sighs> that scene with Dave you know, really just, again, kind of like that moment with Diego and Grace that I was just talking about and how this episode kind of had me up and down in many different uh, moments. That scene really made me tear up too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when, you know, and especially when Dave punches him, I mean, my heart just broke for Klaus. I mean, that look on his face, he was so devastated Mm -hmm. that he could do that to him. You know, I mean, Klaus came to him and was very straight with him. He, he didn't, yeah, sounds a little bit crazy when he's like, you know, (laughs) Hey, I know you. And he's like, Oh yeah, from the hardware store. And he's like, no. And he starts listing out things that he knows about him. And, you know, he's like, you're going to join Vietnam and this, that, and the other. And so that's a lot to take in Absolutely. You know, for, for people, of course. So, but he's being very straight. He's, he's sober and for him to not take him seriously and for him to, you know, fall under, you know, his uncle's beliefs. And I know that his uncle means a lot to him and has a big influence on him. And when his, you know, his uncle is throwing out that disgusting slur at Klaus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and like you said, probably not the first time Klaus has ever heard that, you know, he said that he's like, oh, wow, you know, haven't heard that before, you yeah. know, so, which, again, disgusting that anybody has to hear something like that. But he's clearly heard that at different times in his life. And then to hear it here and then to be struck physically, you know, by his former lover that he cares so much about that he's come all the way back from, you know, traveled across, you know, part of the country to come back here and try and convince him to not, you know, enter into the armed forces, uh, even if it means that they'll never meet. So, you know how much that really had to hurt him in that moment. 
Oh, yeah. It's enough to have, I mean, knocked him off the wagon for, I guess, you know, he's been sober pretty much not the whole time that they've been back in the 60s because there was a lot of, uh, what, uh, dicks, drugs, and debutantes. <laughs> also, debauchery <laughs> in there as well, probably during his whole cult phase. But it seems like yeah. he really had, you know, Ben had, you know, looked at him like, you know, you've been sober. And it seems like it's been quite a while and things have been going good I for him. And think he said three years. So uh-huh. I actually have that in my notes. Like, plot twist, Klaus has been sober for three years. Yeah, which is great for him. And Yeah. I mean, that's huge. And I was like, damn, congrats, you know, Klaus. I mean, he, we kind of saw a little bit of that when we saw a little bit of the flashback when he was leading the cult when they were riding on, on the top of that bus. And one of his uh, followers offered him look like a joint and he just yeah. waved it away and was like nah you know I, it took me a little bit to pick up on that uh but yeah so look at him and talk a little bit about the funny side of klaus's scenes here uh we talked in the beginning when we started the podcast about his, his scene in the liquor store and yeah. of course the fabulous song from sticks that played mm-hmm. I laughed. I mean, one, I was just so jubilant over the the song choice, but Klaus in general, you know, is just so fantastic. And I'm going to tell you that scene with Klaus in the liquor store, that's basically me every time I'm in the liquor store. (laughs) Just in case anyone wonders, what's it like when Rima goes to the liquor store? Just picture that scene in your head with Klaus. That is exactly (laughs) it. So, yeah. So, but yeah. And I think that's why this was such a huge impact for me emotionally in this episode because Klaus is such a really fun character and he's really funny. So, when he has these really serious scenes and dramatic scenes, for me and how he, he's able to really pull them off so well, it's a bigger impact for yeah. me. So, it, I think it hits me harder than, than some of the other characters, maybe when they're usually a little bit more of you know, the dramatic and not maybe quite as funny as what he is, but when you can see how well he can do both and because he's so fun and, and, and fun to be around and one of our favorite characters that when he has those serious moments, it hits you even harder. Definitely. And then that was heartbreaking watching him run out of the diner like that. Oh yeah. And then the poor guy, even after he gets drunk and wasted, he doesn't even have a place to rest. He goes back home and all of his, super annoying cult followers that he is just done with are all there waiting on him. He's like, can I not just get a moment alone? He's so over being a cult leader. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is not all it's cracked up to be. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. Can't, can't have a moment's peace and, and then goes and crashes on Allison's yeah. couch. Oh, Klaus. But he's so, he's so good and so funny. I'm going to keep talking a little bit more about Klaus because he was my entire uh, number number two, I guess. Yeah, that's where, where I'm at. I know I'm skipping ahead, but since we're already talking mm-hmm. about him. Yeah, keep it going. And some funny moments that he had. So I'm going to twist it over to the lighter side because I, I, I hate to end it on a super sad note. Mm-hmm. Uh, his frog and scorpion fable that he told oh, Alex. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard that fable yeah. and I've heard a couple different. I've heard it told different ways. I've heard this, the scorpion and the frog I've heard. Is it the scorpion and the fox? I don't know. About I, I think I've heard the one that I always grew up hearing was the farmer and the snake. Oh, okay. I guess it's kind of a regional thing. Maybe. Yeah. You know, that you hear that I've heard the scorpion, and the frog, and I, I think I heard a, a fox 
and a frog or a scorpion, mm-hmm. something like that. I've heard heard it two different ways, but it was absolutely hilarious. And I love his line when he says, "I'm not a morning person. Can we do that again?" I was just laughing my ass off. I mean, like in, in the literal word, that is me again. I'm Klaus. I'm Klaus. Give me a, 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 a some great facial hair and a cute <laughs> haircut. Like he's got, I'm Klaus. Hey, um, I, I agree. Cause his, uh, morning plans for getting it started. If, if we're going to do this, here's what we're going to need. I was mm-hmm. so on board with him. I was like coffee, B, vitamin B12 and a piping hot bowl and menudo. Count me in. I'm, I'm in all sounds great. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm I'm not a morning person. I don't function well in the morning. No, not at all. Not me either. I've tried so many different tips, tricks, (laughs) and things to make myself a morning person. It's not happening. I'm so with Klaus. So that line really, really made me laugh. And then his we don't negotiate with terrorists. (laughs) That's what I love. That's what's the moral of the story. (laughs) (laughs) We don't negotiate with terrorists. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) What a t-shirt. Yeah, which I guess for anyone, I'm sure most people have all heard that story or that fable or whatever. Yeah. But I guess yeah. for anybody who doesn't, I mean, that's the the actual story or whatever, which is pretty close to the real thing. Even the moral mm-hmm. of it's probably just as unhelpful. But um, yeah, but it's kind of so- that certain people that have like a vicious nature or explicitly like explicitly known for damaging behavior really just shouldn't be trusted because they'll purposely hurt themselves and others out of pure instinct. And that's kind of the moral of the because story. It's their like, nature. Because that's their, in their nature. So that's their nature. why trust them? Because the version I know is the farmer and the snake, like I mentioned, which is, you know, a farmer uh, is, you know, burning a spot on his land and there's a snake in the fire. So he reaches in to rescue the snake, saves the, saves, uh, the snake's life. And then the snake bites him. And he says, well, why did you do that? I saved your life. He says, because I'm a snake. Right. It's his nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what I gleaned from it. I, I read a couple people can they some I guess can interpret it in different ways, but I'm like, well, I don't know. What I always got from it was like you just said, it's because it's in their nature. Yeah. And I wonder if that's what Klaus was kind of trying to convey to Allison because she was, you know, talking about how she wished she hadn't used her power. You know, every time I do, nothing good comes of it. I can't believe I did it again. And, you know, I don't know if he was just trying to say, I mean, it's in your nature. This is what's, this is who you are and this is Mm -hmm. what you're going to do. And you can't run from it because it seems like she's doing good. She like, she tried to do good, right? Like she saved her husband from basically being beaten to death by that cop when she used her power. But then when she used her power before in her previous life, she did damage um, but also, even when she didn't use her power here in this life, she, I think she still kind of caused damage. So I, I don't know. I, I think she's just kind of damned if she does and damned if she doesn't. But yeah. anyway, great, great lines from Klaus. They He just never fails to um, just really bring it all in for me. Uh, and he certainly uh, didn't shortchange me this episode. He's yeah. so great. <laughs> Brought, brought me some tears and brought me some laughs. What yep. else can you ask for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I totally hijacked. That no, was your, was that your number three? You were on yours. You were on, you were talking more about Klaus. I think okay. Kinda... I know. And I skipped ahead a little bit. My number three <laughs> was actually when you were talking about the balls of light that Vanya released mm-hmm. um, when she was saving Harlan. So I think we've, I think I've talked that out. And then my number two, um, What's your number two? Because I've already j- done mine. All right. Yeah. My number two is just, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I, 
all good. Yeah, no, my number two was uh, kind of just what is up with the commission as a whole right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and after we after we finished recording last week, which we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I even thought about that. I got off and I was like, what if, yeah, like it was, you know, Lila was actually telling the truth, which we might have talked about that, but... But yeah, uh, and so the the handler and her purposes for everything, but mainly even now what her purposes are because she's telling Lila to protect Five at all costs, that she wants Five to be protected and alive. And um, so the handler wants Five alive, yet the Swedes are working for the commission that the handler works for, and they're trying to kill him. And they know know that Lila is part of the commission and not to kill her. But yet Lila is instructed to save five from them. And so I was like, is is the handler on her own like side mission apart from the commission? And you know, I'm is she kind of going rogue? It's it's very confusing. <laughs> I based on what we saw in the the one episode where she gets demoted, I feel she's a little rogue. Yeah. And what she's doing. I don't think that she's supposed to be out planning whatever it is that she's planning right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, working for, what, who is it, Herb? In that yeah. typewriter room? Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I, I don't know what she's up to. I don't know. I felt she was being a little sketchy there with Lila about the sweets. Like, you know, oh, it's fine. We had to, you know, it has to look real. Otherwise, people would think that we're working together. And Lila even just kind of looked at her like, hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you nobody know, knows what the commission is. So why would they think that? Yeah. yeah. And she's like, well, they know I'm on the job. Right. <laughs> and she's like, well, you know, we're all on the same team. I feel like mm-hmm. by her giving non answers, she's not being very upfront. She's definitely up yeah. to something. And I don't think that she's completely filled Lila in on what that plan is. That's why I'm kind of hoping and wondering a little bit if Lila might turn on her, you yeah. know, finding out that maybe the handler is, you know, maybe she doesn't care for her like she is. Maybe she sees her as expendable. And, and, you know, she'll be betrayed by her and she'll kind of turn on her. I know I'm kind of just plotting out something here that doesn't yet exist, but that's kind of what my hopes yeah. <laughs> are. I don't feel she was being very truthful at all yeah. with her. And, but Lila's kind of in this rough place now because if she's having those mm-hmm. issues with the handler, which is by all, you know, means basically her mother has raised her her whole life. I know. And then now she's, you know, at least it looks to us maybe catching feelings for Diego for real. And now she's in this situation where five doesn't trust her. And Diego, I think, is even starting to question a little bit. You know, he asks her, you know, I saw where you left last night. What did you do? Which she was able to kind of cover up with. I went to get gauze for you, you know, mm-hmm. but, but I don't know if Diego bought that or not. And so I, I just hope that it doesn't end very badly for Lila where she ends up with nobody or dead. <laughs> mm, yeah oh gosh yeah who knows mm-hmm. yeah i don't know and i look yeah i think i think we're gonna find a little bit more i don't i don't trust the handler that's for sure no no i don't think that she's really being truthful or honest i don't really know that i understand what she's up to it's like she told lila it's like well sometimes we don't always understand the full picture you know uh in, until much later you know, we don't Sounds like it something we do. that somebody without an explanation would say. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, because why, you know, if she's raised her as a daughter, why can't she just be truthful with her? Why can't she just tell her what she's up to? Is it yeah. because we're not supposed to know? I, I don't know. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if she's raised her practically as a daughter, she she could almost be the, you know, image of her. You know, she's, you know... She can fight. She's smart. 
you know, she knows lots of different languages, you know, I, you know, so why don't you just trust her with the truth? So yeah, not to be trusted. And I feel like, you know, something bad will happen to Lila because of it. Mm-hmm. I, I like that five doesn't can... trust her. Yeah. <laughs> five is funny. arrogant and cocky as he can be is also very observant and very on top of things most of the time. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he used to work for the commission. So yeah. he, you know, I mean, he, and he was very smart for sure. And of course has a lot of years. I mean, we, it's easy to sometimes forget because, you know, he has his teenage image, but you mm-hmm. know, like the mind of like a 60 year old. So it's easy, yeah. you know, to kind of forget, you know, how old and wizened he is and what he's seen in his lifetime. Uh, but yeah, I really thought that was, that was funny. It's like, I don't trust you, you know, at all, you know, and I love the looks that he would give her when she's like, you know, oh yeah, high five. And he just kind of looked at her like, and just completely <laughs> dismisses her and continues to talk about what he was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, something's up. And she's trying to, of course, get on his good side. Like when she went to help him out, you know, when they were fight, when they were having the fight with the Swedes. So very good. Can't wait for for more for sure. Oh yeah, awesome! That was your number two. It was sweet. Well, I know we've already covered my number two. Do you want to go ahead and and talk about your number one? And we'll just All jump right. in from there. My number one is actually quite broad, but so maybe if yours falls That's within okay. it, then I'll let you go with yours. But uh, my number one was just kind of more reunions and bonding between the siblings and stuff that we saw this this episode. Yeah. And so I just have a bunch of like little notes that I wanted to run through. I think that, you know, I love that Vanya and Luther were able to bond over the fact that five is indeed an asshole. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And that Vanya was actually really perceptive and noticed that five definitely left something out involving her when he told her that backstory of the apocalypse, you know, his extremely rare, like sweet side came out last episode, but even with the amnesia and, kind of meeting five for the quote unquote first time in her mind, she could kind of see not through him. Cause I think he was being genuine, but kind of around that he was skirting around something and didn't want to tell her something. Yeah. And then Very Luther protective. was, yeah. And then Luther was straightforward and honest with her though. And just told her exactly what happened. And I was kind of worried how that would go, but it ended up going really well. And I think they kind of patched things up, even though she doesn't know what their past history was, but she knows she knows there's something there and so I think it was good to see them have a moment together. Yeah. I thought it was I don't know. I think I, I'm glad he was kind of straightforward with her, but to just let her go off like, oh by the way, you're kind of dangerous and you caused the apocalypse. Oh bye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. Bye. Uh-huh. Uh, and then she she's feeling, you know, like I'm too dangerous to be around people. There's people looking for me. And like just to leave her alone after you tell her that, I was like, oh, why did you do that? I didn't feel that yeah. was. Yeah. And then it, it the affects her a little bit negatively. Like she kind of gets over it. I guess she moves. But but you can tell she's a little perturbed by it because that's, you know, she goes out to five. Is there any other family secrets that you failed to mention to me? And he goes, a boatload, <laughs> Banya. <laughs> and then I liked this uh, this meaning. I, I could totally get behind this mentality is whenever she says, I'm going back to the farm. And he's like, you can't do that. Unacceptable. And she says, new timeline, new me. And I like that. That's another shirt for us. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> Let's see. What was another? Uh, like you mentioned, you know, Lila trying to high five five 
And that was after the line, you know, Diego says, he stabbed me talking about their dad. He goes, I'm surprised he waited this long, Diego. We've all had the earth. (laughs) (laughs) He just just says it like just so casual. It just, I was laughing really hard at that one. Yeah. Then Luther and Allison had a really good reunion, I thought. Uh, It was very simple and sweet in a place that I would love to be in, that classic Southern barbecue joint. Man, that looked great. Yes. I could use some good barbecue right now. I'm telling you. There's no better place than Texas. Yeah, and I know. you know, I know my barbecue spots. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was a really cool cinematic shot in that moment, though, where they got up and hugged each other, and immediately everybody in that barbecue place, every patron, everybody who worked there, would just disappeared. And it was, yeah, it was showing. I'm glad like you noticed that. Yeah, in that moment, that nobody else, nothing else mattered. It was them reuniting, and I thought that was a really cool shot. And then when Luther says to Allison about, you know, her marrying Ray because she was like, I just I had to have something to hold on to. And he says, I'm glad you weren't alone. That hit me a lot harder than I expected it to. I know. I almost forgot for a moment that they were siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't eked out by those that their relationship. Yeah. Or previous relationship. <laughs> yeah. And then their reunion kind of turned quickly into like typical apocalypse talk, which <laughs> When he just says, yeah, five showed up. Oh, and by the way, yeah, we have a week until the world ends again because, you know, the usual. Yep, we did it again. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought it was what you know, Vanya's on a farm and she's happy. Well, that's weird. Diego's in the nut house. Okay, that makes sense. And Klaus is a cult leader. Totally not a surprise. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That fits. Just catching each other up, which was cool. And then Luther and Elliot at the end with the nitrous, I thought was a really fun scene. Because I've loved how Elliot was just so taken aback how how huge Luther was when he met him, but then they kind of bonded, and that conversation was really funny, and then awkward, and then sad, and then funny again, and then it got really dark where Luther kind of looks at him and is just like, "Oh, your wife left you." I was like, "Well, she'll be dead in a week anyway. We all will." And then they just kind of laughed you it laugh. off. And you're like, "Oh man." <laughs> when I was a kid, they would just turn that nozzle full blast i would come out of that dentist office higher than a kite (laughs) floating i felt like i was floating and i would giggle and just laugh and my mom would just look at me like oh my gosh how much stuff did they give you oh my gosh i used to suck that up so hard when the dentist would put that thing on my nose (laughs) like eight years old and the dentist is just shooting me up with that stuff yeah it's terrible you won't feel anything You, you, you didn't care you didn't care i don't know like i said i know one of the times um going and i was like don't i get any nitrous and they're like oh well we don't really do that anymore and i'm like what why not <laughs> this is the only thing that's what a rip off is, is getting the nitrous god that makes me sound really terrible but you know, yeah funny scene but yeah i think that's all i really had i don't know if you had anything okay. else you to add on that but yeah um, I mean, I, I, I liked all of that too. It was good. I, I really wish, I'm glad that they are all kind of starting to come together. You know, we've got Allison and Klaus together. Uh, Allison and Luther have kind of met up a little, uh, five and Diego are hanging out and stuff, but I'm like, I'm really ready now to kind of finally get just all of them together. Yeah. You know, I, I'm like, okay guys, let's, let's not draw this out too much longer. I really need need them to all kind of come together a little bit here klaus still hasn't seen anybody but allison yet has he 
No, nope. I don't think, don't so. think so. No, just sitting here thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I really need them all just to be like, okay, you guys all know you're here now. You know, Five was out there. He saw Luther. He's talked to him. He's, you know, ran into him several times. Uh, you know, everybody kind of knows of each other, but nobody's like, hey, maybe we should all like be in the same place at the same time now and kind of mm-hmm. talk about this. It's like everybody's just going on with their thing. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that'll happen in the next episode because we'll be what at number five is our we'll next halfway, episode yeah. five. So yeah, I feel like we're getting to the halfway point. It's time for them to start coming together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really great. Some really great stuff there for sure with with some of the siblings and and their dynamics and their relationships together. I did like that scene with Allison and Luther. I thought it was just really nice um, because I was trying to see it more at a, a sibling level yeah. instead of their romantic relationship that they had uh for however long that was um so i thought that was really nice and and yeah i'm glad that you noticed that as well when when it kind of showed like everybody kind of disappeared in that moment yeah um was really nice so i just really just wish they weren't siblings i could so be on board (laughs) with that relationship i don't have a problem with the relationship in general just it's hard that's a hard hump for me to get over Mm -hmm. sibling thing anyway that is really great. So my number one, we've talked about them a little bit, um, and that was the Majestic 12. So just a couple questions that I had about these guys are, who are these guys? What do they have to do with the JFK assassination? As you know, they were talk- talking about in this episode, and that they were a real group. And I'll talk about a little bit more about them in my notes. Um, but it was fun to kind of, as soon as they were talking about uh, – the majestic 12 or, or who are they? And Elliot starts going into, you know, Oh, they're like this group of guys and they're like a shadow government. I immediately started thinking of what is that? Ladies and gentlemen, the X-Files. Yes. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, I'm a huge X-Files fan. And if you watch the X-Files, you know, that was a big part of the plot of the X-Files that there, there were powerful men that were part of a secret government. Cigarette smoking man was a part of it. Um, so they, they were a big part of like, you know, some of the happenings and conspiracies and things that happened behind the scene. That's exactly kind of what I had in my head uh, Mm -hmm. in this, in this episode. So as I mentioned, the Majestic 12, uh, was in, or it says is, I don't know if, I don't think that they're still in existence, but they're saying here is a real organization and there are of course real by so many conspiracy theorists that are out there. So it's said that the Majestic 12 was created by Harry S. Truman in 1947 and made up of scientists, military leaders, and government officials to investigate alien spacecraft. Mm-hmm. Elliot describes the Majestic 12 as a shadow government. And of course, Reginald, Reginald Hartgreaves would be a part of that, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's more information out there if you know folks want to you know, read a little bit more about them. And okay. That, that was my number one. Did you have some notes? Yeah. I had a few notes and then kind of go into my little segments of like stuff I've been tracking and watching now. Awesome. (laughs) But yeah. uh, First one that I went had as an extra note was that Rima again, you also, there's another thing that you hit like the nail right on the head. I did. And yeah. About Ray's reaction to Allison. Because oh. when they are talking, based off what he says, you know, how much they're, how are they paying you? And she was like, what? And it was like, Dallas PD, FBI. And he's, you know, 
making this connection that, you know, she working for somebody to keep tabs on, on their movement and their group. And you had, you had said last week something about, you know, black people infiltrating these civil rights movements and groups in order to, to spy for, for the authorities. And you're saying maybe, maybe Ray thinks that's what's going on. And based off of this, interaction that they had that seemed to be the direction he was going and what he was accusing her of asking, you know, you know, isn't it perfect timing that you showed up, you know, and came into this hair salon and came in and met me and at this time and these people. And she was like, I can explain. And then he was like, well, go for it. And then not wanting to sound crazy, she really couldn't. And he was like, exactly. And just kind of left her at that, yeah. which was very heavy and very emotional, but <clears throat> But I think that's exactly, I think he was having that in mind. So as I was watching this, I was like, this is exactly what Rima said he might be going through. <laughs> and you know, because I feel like, and this is funny uh, that you say that, because now I remember when we were talking about that, I think I probably cut part of that out while I was editing last week. So okay. people who are listening to this are probably like, what? I didn't say that. I don't remember what parts I left in, but I remember listening to it. um, And I remember even thinking as I was saying it, I'm like, girl, you are so far out of left field. You sound like a crazy person right now. Because I don't think I was communicating it very well, like how I wanted to say it. It was not coming out at all like I wanted. And I thought you just sound so freaking bizarre right now. And so, and and of so whenever I was editing and hearing myself say those things, I was like, oh, wow, you are nuts. Cut it out. Cut it out. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I probably cut part of that out, but Pake's my witness. I did say that. Yeah, she did. She did. <laughs> so, it, was, it was a theory. She's like, well, maybe. That, and I was like, I don't know, maybe. And I, now this I week, read I'm like, that. I think you're right on it. Yeah, yeah I read that, that, uh, that they're, they're – that, they sometimes it was either the FBI or CIA would try to plant spies in the civil rights um, organization and try to, you know, infiltrate them. And I think it was probably more I read that it happened a lot more like in the Black, in the Black Panther mm-hmm. organization uh, than than just other specific ones. It was it was really kind of hit in, in that one a lot is yeah. what I was reading about. But it it it, it did happen. Uh, I don't know all the you know, inner workings of it or anything. And I didn't go too far into the rabbit hole, but I did, I did read that. So I did say that, but I probably cut just a little bit of that out of last week's podcast. I think the margaritas were really kind of hitting me at that point. Well, they worked for you because they gave you some insight. (laughs) Well, see, see, I'm just like Klaus. I just got to hit that liquor and (laughs) magic happens. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some other notes that I had, I think just at the very end, Five is speaking, because I have my, my subtitles on, my captions on while I'm watching, so I don't miss yes, lines and too. stuff. And so I was wondering what he was saying, but literally the subtitles just said speaking ancient Greek. Ancient Greek. That's all it was, so we don't know. But he knows that, and it even though Reginald kind of brushed it off to Grace, like it meant something to him. There was something there. and Sure did. I'm Do you want to know what it was? That would be great. So you're right. And I'm not going to repeat it. I have it written down what he actually said in Greek, but I can't read or speak Greek. Uh, so the opening line, what uh, what five yells out to Reginald Hargreaves is the opening lines of Homer's Odyssey in ah. the original Greek. But for five, 
this line is important because you're probably wondering, well, one, what is he saying? Two, what does it mean? Uh, so this actually serves as a part of five's childhood and is a nod to his status as a time traveler. So because I don't read ancient Greek, uh, I did find the translation for it. It is roughly, tell me, O muse of the much-traveled man who wandered many ways after he had sacked the sacred city of Troy. Hmm. So that's the loose translation of what Five said. Now, Five doesn't say the whole thing to Reginald. There's, I guess, more to the opening lines of the Odyssey uh, that Homer says. So if you want the full version, the first passage here is, tell me about a complicated man, Muse. Tell me how he wandered and was lost when he had wrecked the holy town of Troy and where he went and who he met, the pain he suffered in the storms at sea and how he worked to save his life and bring his men back home. So that's cool. Yeah, super. I was really impressed. And I was like, whoa. And Reginald tried to brush it off to Grace, but you could tell that meant something to him. Definitely. Made an impact. The only other things I had were the stuff that we were kind of tracking. One, thanks to Steve again, Steve Brown for our uh, title card tracking. And so, of course, the umbrella comes, the umbrella shape is in the pool of blood coming from the guy in the car that Lila had killed at the beginning of the episode. I caught it this time because thank (laughs) you. You were kind enough to point out to me that we don't have the title cards like we did last season, but they're putting them in these fun little, well, okay, a puddle of blood. Sorry, I called that fun. (laughs) Didn't mean it in that way. Uh, But yeah, I caught it. I was like, yeah, there it is. So mm-hmm. thanks for like reminding me of like how they're kind of, you know, because it's easy to, easy to kind of miss if you're not really yeah. looking sometimes. And then lastly, of course, is I like to go into the music. I've been, I think that's fun. And I want to do that this whole season is just tracking the songs. And <sighs> yes, please. It's fun. So this episode, the music we get is Marty Robbins, Love is Blue, which is the song playing at the beginning when Lila is training. And then, of course, we have Renegade by Styx, as Klaus mm-hmm. is in the liquor store. We have Have You Ever Been Hurt by Helen Wilson while Luther is eating at Minnie's Barbecue. We have Mirage. It is probably pronounced Mirage. It's more Spanish by Chilo Escobedo, which is when Lila, Five, and Diego arrive at the party at the consulate. Oh, yeah. And good, good like, little pronunciation there. <laughs> we have a La Costilla which is a very classic mariachi song that's been done by a billion different people from what I understand, but it's Mariachi La Estrella is doing it in this episode, and that is when Diego and Lila are dancing. We get Marva Whitney's Unwind Yourself when Luther and Elliot are unwinding with the nitrous. And then, of course, the fight scene at the end with the Swedes is I Was Made for Loving You by Kiss. I'm telling you, I love that song. (laughs) So good. The music budget this season is freaking insane. I mean, I I read a little snippet from the article last week, you know, talking about how they try to get music for the show and try to get licenses and, you know, asking permission to use them and stuff. And you have to pay to use them, right? Like, they're just not very many artists like, oh, yeah, you can just use it for free. You usually got to pay something for it. It's got to be insane, (laughs) the music budget this season, because it's, it's, been amazing so far i can't wait to see what else uh, they they put in here so good 
That's great. Thank mm-hmm. you for keeping track of the music because it's uh, fun. <laughs> it's, I mean, I knew Sticks and I knew Kiss and other stuff. Sometimes you, you just know some others and other things you're like, what is that? I want that to add that to my playlist or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's great. And, and it's, you know, you have to kind of dig for it sometimes. Sometimes you can find them easily and others you got to kind of dig. So I appreciate you doing that for not uh-huh. just me, but for our listeners as well. Yeah, because sure sometimes it's very helpful because I've done that. There's songs that are on my playlists that I've heard in TV shows, like just to kind of throw back to it was no spoilers, really. But a uh, last show that you covered on here with Jason, which was Lock and Key, mm-hmm. is there's um, see if I can go spoiler free without just in case there's people who are listening <laughs> to this who didn't listen to that run and watch that uh, a scene after a certain interaction with a person that goes scary in situations and a certain another character goes back to a vice that they had left behind for a while and mm. the song that is playing during that scene where everything is very melancholy and you're kind of seeing the the reactions and aftermath of it that everybody's going through there was a song playing that i was just obsessed with and I had to look it up while watching the episode added it to my playlists and i've been listening to it and so yeah sometimes you just find great music through television episodes you sure do or you get reminded of some great ones that maybe you loved and you know kind of forgot about a little bit um and and i was kind of reminded a little bit here like oh these are really great i think i'm gonna add them to like a playlist and just like jam the shit out of them for a little while Mm -hmm. um that's great thanks i i appreciate those efforts um for the music as well um I have a few Easter eggs. I've already talked about the Majestic 12. We've talked about Lila and just the kind of theory, at least theory that I'm kind of thinking of a little bit of, of, you know, her being four years old in 93. That would put her being born in 1989. We've talked about why that's significant. Um, One other little note that I wanted to add. This, I think, is something more relatable to the comic. I have not read the comic, but I'm happy to share this, and I just found it interesting. I don't know if it's spoilery, so just in case someone thinks it's spoilery, just a a little warning here for you um, at this point. So Luther, you mentioned in in the scene, enjoying some great Texas barbecue when he encounters Allison again. This... Uh, scene actually kind of leads to two different points. So one, again, Texas barbecue is the best in the country. Absolutely. <laughs> first, first point that I just want to make clear in case anyone doesn't know. Uh, second point is while Luther's increased appreciation for food in the Umbrella Academy season two is playing slight homage to the comics Fat Luther storyline, which Hmm. this follows the events of the first comic volume where Luther becomes complacent, depressed, and ultimately obese. (laughs) (laughs) So, and it sounds like that this is actually something, you know, that they kind of put in kind of on purpose, like a a little nod to that. And he's constantly eating this whole season. Like even whenever he's talking to Jack Ruby, like he's got a steak or like pie or something with him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which, and it's funny because they actually acknowledge that they kind of bring that up. The, the writers and the showrunners are kind of like, there's a little question mark over that because Thor kind of did it first Mm -hmm. in end game i don't yeah. know that's not a spoiler for anyone come on guys <laughs> if you haven't seen that already i know yeah, it's still kind of newish but come on <laughs> great movie go watch it freaking awesome um i i think that covers all of my notes i i liked how uh just one thing in in their time of pain klaus turned to alcohol luther turns to food mm-hmm. I, I i guess i'm both of them rolled up into one I do <laughs> when i need to numb numb up a little bit drown something out 
gosh, this was a really great episode, wasn't it? It really I, I was. I feel like I could just kind of keep talking about it mm-hmm. and it was really good. Um, I don't have a full news item, but I did want to kind of just mention, because it does kind of fall under the news category and it's not Umbrella Academy related. Uh, I did hear news. We don't have a month, but we were informed today that the is it haunting haunting of bly manor mm-hmm. which is the sequel it's not a sequel sorry anthology season two. Kind of anthology yeah. yeah it's not a sequel but everyone remembers haunting of hill house i hope please go watch that yes. amazing series if you haven't yet sean and i covered it uh and it was just absolutely amazing so Mike Flanagan has come back uh, to do a second season. Like you said, Pake It is an anthology, so not the same storyline. This is based on something different. It is going to be released on Netflix fall 2020. So no exact date, but soon, soon enough. Soon, soon. I feel like this is what they do. They're going to just say, oh, fall 2020, and then they're not really going to give you a date, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're going to wake up one day, and it's just going to be there. You're like, holy (laughs) shit, here we go. And look, they said, Mike Flanagan said this season uh, that he's doing is way scarier than the first, and that's going to be hard to talk. <laughs> I might pee myself. I might literally pee myself. I mean, I, I, guys, if you've listened to the podcast, you, you enter, you can remember maybe how terrified I was in certain scenes and moments of Haunting of Hell House. I mean, I thought I was going to have like a heart attack and, and I, I nearly fallen out of my bed at some scenes that scared me so bad. I've literally screamed out loud, hid myself under the covers. I have nearly cried from the terror. Uh, so I can't wait. <laughs> oh, man. Cannot wait. So a little bit of a teaser, not a whole lot to tell. I wish I had more information, but it was really exciting that we at least get some sort of official because we didn't really know yet. And I'm, I'm going to cover this thing. So I hope you guys will, will, will all join me. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. You so yeah, you have to. <laughs> yeah. I have to, if I'm, if I'm not still hiding under my bed or hiding <laughs> in my closet from how terrified I am, I'm covering this thing. I might be able to come out for just a little bit and actually uh, record and then go back to my hiding place, my safe <laughs> place, uh, holding my blankie and sucking my thumb is what I'll be doing. Um, so yeah, that, not any other news related items, but that did come out today. I think I posted that, uh, in our, um, on our Facebook page, uh, just to give everyone some excitement to their day. Cause we need it right now. <laughs> Something to look forward to. <laughs> it gives us a bright spot. Uh, so that's all the little news uh, that I had for this week. I am actually really excited to jump into our listener feedback portion. Yeah. Um, so do you want to take that first one for me? It's a long oh, one from it is. From, yeah. <laughs> Always is when it comes from our good friend Doug Fick. <laughs> yeah. Would I that's fine. Send them along. We like it that way. It's all right. That's what she said. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. All right. So okay, so Doug Fick does say, I really liked the short origin story for Lila. Quick and to the point. I wonder if it was Hazel who killed her parents. 
and the proud mama giving her daughter a corsage before her first kill. Talk about a Dear Diary moment. <laughs> and just when you thought Menudo was a boy band from the 80s with Ricky Martin as a member, it's also a traditional Mexican soup made with cow's stomach, broth, and a red chili pepper base. And there's also a Philippine version as well. Yes, and there's a taqueria right by my apartment that has a great menudo, and I love it very much. <laughs> it's that's my that's me, Pake, adding that. <laughs> it's made with cow stomach broth. It no, cow stomach and broth. Oh, so it's actually the cow stomach like meat that's in there, and yeah. Oh, I don't mind it. I, I'm adventurous. I'll go for it. I love it. You anyway, back to share, <laughs> back to Doug's <laughs> comment. He says. Lila may have given herself away to number five, as when number five insulted Diego, Lila said, good one, and offered a high five to five. It has been widely suspected that the high five was invented in 1977 after, after Dusty Baker hit a home run for the Dodgers, but I digress. <laughs> How devastating for Klaus. He was not just one-liners in this episode. He showed so much disappointment and betrayal after getting punched. Great range. Then right back to the slapstick. That is why we love him. Allison and Luther's reunion, awkward, but sweet. Did you notice that after they embraced, there was a cutaway shot of them all alone at the restaurant, and after they separated, the patrons were back. Like, for that brief moment, they were the only ones who existed. Exactly, Doug. Mm -hmm. Diego seeing his grace was a gut punch. Do you think she was a robot there, or a real human? I do not recall her having a southern drawl in season one. Nope, I don't think she did. Did Hargreaves kill her and then make a robot? Was she killed some other way? If you notice that man in the hat and sunglasses with Hargreaves, he resembled mob boss Sam Giancana, who is rumored oh. to have had a hand in the JFK assassination. That was his signature look. The sissy and Vanya hookup seemed obvious, but since Vanya feels love and belonging, maybe she can use her powers for good this time around. Great fight scene in the hallway. The cinematography has been splendid so far, and again, the music leads the way. I feel they're giving all the kids a good deal of screen time and story to balance the season so far, with the exception of Ben, but I believe he'll get some ample story too. Can't wait to hear the podcast and watch another episode. Until then, let's do some nitrous and laugh our asses off as God knows we could all use one right about now. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Line, line me up. I could use some some good news and some happiness in 2020, damn it. Um, those were some really good thoughts, Doug. Uh, mm -hmm. always really great insight especially the little nod to dusty baker i remember him more from when he was managing the cubs and not so well from what i remember <laughs> anyway don't throw anything at me for that one if you're, <laughs> if you're a fan <laughs> that's just what i'm saying um great as always thank you doug mm -hmm. for that uh, next one we have is from our friend Danielle Semino. Thank you, Danielle, for writing in and um, instructing me on how to pronounce your name because I was really afraid I butchered it the last time. So <laughs> I always appreciate that. Uh, so thank you. So she says, every scene with Klaus broke my heart in this episode. I hate that Dave's uncle had that, uh, had that much influence over him and hurt Klaus so bad. I have a love-hate relationship with Lila. She's such a badass, but really, really, the hallway fight scene was just brilliant. Moving outside the building and seeing parts of the fight through the windows made it so much more intense. I think the Allison plus Luther thing is icky. <laughs> they may not be blood rel relatives, but still icky. And unpopular opinion time Allison really annoys me in this season. I love her civil rights storyline, but it seemed like she married Ray to replace her ex-husband from the first season. She just seems desperate at this point. 
This is also the first time Vanya used her powers to help someone else without also hurting anyone. Yay! And I've never wanted two characters to get together more than I have Sissy and Vanya. About time. I've been behind, but here are a few answers to questions you've had. Uh, first one, the title sh cards show umbrellas in every episode. It's just more uh, subtle this season. If you head back to the first episode, the mushroom cloud fills onto an umbrella. When the text shows up, the rest are similar. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Um, next one, she says, speaking of the first episode, Diego kills those guys in the war scene by curving their own bullets away from him and back to them. It took me two or three rewatches of that part to see it. Uh, okay. Okay. That. Thank you for doing the work for me. Um, that answers that question. Thank you. Uh, next one she ha has, she says, had to Google this one. The kids chose their own names with Grace's guidance and help. Five just hadn't chosen a name before he jumped, but all the other kids did. Uh -huh. okay. uh, the TV show loosely follows the comics. For example, Hazel and Cha-Cha don't show up till the second arc or storyline of the comic. And a lot of the TV show characters, uh, Detective Patch, Elliot, Sissy, don't exist in the first two series of the comic. I haven't read the third one, uh, call it Hotel Oblivion, because there was 10 years between the release of number two and three, and after three or four years, I assumed that it got canceled. Some of these characters could be in number three, no clue. The show explains a lot more than the comics, and again, unpopular opinion time, I like the show better than the comics. Don't come after me, internet. <laughs> <laughs> Almost forgot an Easter egg for comic readers. Klaus levitating in one of the previous episodes. In the comic, Klaus has the power of levitation, but not by using Ben. It's just part of his skill set. Interesting. Interesting. Must have been a little nod then mm -hmm. to that. Like they kind of yeah. did with the, the fat Luther storyline and, and Luther like eating all the time. This must yeah. be like their little nod. Wow. That was some great information, Danielle. It really was. And I, I haven't read the comics myself either. Uh -huh. Like I know Rima, you've mentioned that you haven't. I own them. I saw like, after right, a little bit before the season two dropped, they were having a sale on them to promote and everything. So I went ahead, they were like, it was like five bucks per volume. <clears throat> so I went ahead and just like scooped them up and I have them. I don't know when I'm going to read them because I don't want to jump myself ahead of stuff in the show. But mm -hmm. but I have them for whenever the time comes that I want to read them because I couldn't pass up on that opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mm -hmm. got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's thank you, Danielle. Uh, if you would like to do my notes and research for me in the future, <laughs> then hit me up because that was, that was so, so good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Laura Willie Swink says the point is frogs are bitches and we do not negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Season two of the Umbrella Academy has really gone far and above the first. The stories are so much more rich and emotional. I love that we still have the quirky weirdness and amazing soundtrack of season one, but the 60s setting has really given the characters a whole new dimension. With the exception of five, who had the lion's share of compelling story the first season, each character has a much deeper storyline. I wonder what effect Klaus's interfering with Dave in the past will cause. I wonder if it will push him deeper in the closet and may even push him further away from accepting his sexuality. Hmm. Allison's storyline of segregation is poignant and timely. The character of Sissy in Vanya's story at first seems like a 60s Donna Reed type, but you discover how lonely and desperate she is for human connection. Though Diego's hero complex with daddy issues story may not seem as compelling as the rest, I'm simply enjoying the wild and passionate ride he's taking with Lila. That hallway fight scene set to kiss was amazing, and poor Mooning Luther will he ever get over his sister obsession. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> Despite the ishness of that, though, 
ishness, maybe ickness. I don't know. But <laughs> his talk with Allison was sweet and heartfelt. Well, that's all. Except for the fact that I desperately want to take some ballroom dancing classes now. Stay strange, Rima and Paik. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. It's always awesome to hear from you. Laura's always got mm-hmm. great insight. Uh Next one we have is from our good friend Daphne Backman. She says, I continue to adore Klaus quoting music with this week's song Waterfalls by TLC. Also watching him get reacquainted with an old friend, a.k.a. alcohol, set to Styx's Renegade was fun, yet sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. The reunion of Allison and Luther, especially the fade away to no one being at the picnic tables around them at that one moment was lovely. You can tell Luther is trying his best to accept Allison is married, but he's pretty torn up. I truly love the music choices that play during the fight scenes. This week's with Diego and Five versus the Swedes to I Was Made for Loving You by Kiss was just perfection. I also really enjoyed how the scene was filmed, including passing by the windows outside. Watching Diego surprise when Lila chose to help Five was humorous because you know he expected her to come to his aid. Of course, he has no clue about who Lila really is or that Five is her assignment. I still think that Although Reginald doesn't know who they are, he knows more than we think. Looking forward to listening to your thoughts on this episode as well. Well, thanks, Daphne. That was great. Yeah, that Reginald, he is a mystery man, and he keeps his cards close to his vest, that's for sure. (laughs) All right. We also have a voice message this week from our good friend, Steve. Hey, Rim and Paik, this is Steve, and this is for uh, Umbrella Academy episode uh, episode four. Uh, sorry I'm so late getting this in. I, I, I don't know. It's, this was a busy week for me. Um, but I really love how this is it, getting better. It's, it's even, like, I dare say it's better than season one, and I just, I'm loving that uh, so much. Um, really, really enjoying just more and more of, of seeing these interactions uh, between these characters. I um, can't wait to see what what's going to happen next. And it's so difficult to not go on to the next episode. Um, but I also love hearing everybody's thoughts on it. I, I love hearing what you guys have to say and the things that, that you that you find that, that I miss. And uh, so I, I enjoy that immensely. And so I want to thank you again for your podcast. I thank you for doing it uh, this slow, uh, kind of one episode a week, just like we are on our podcast. And uh, just, I'm excited. Um, gosh, it's it's too bad that it's going to end. And, uh, you know, and then we got to wait for season three. But uh, anyway, uh, talk to you later. That was awesome. Thank you, Steve. And what do you mean you're too busy? What, too busy doing your own podcast on the Umbrella Academy also? (laughs) Too busy leaving feedback on every other podcast that exists. Exactly. (laughs) What do you mean you're too busy? No. Look, Steve, we we can't do a podcast without your voice message. I just hope you know that. I feel like if I don't see that in my email from you every week, then we just can't record. So... No we got to bring back what hashtag we are Steve, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I can't record it. I just have to tell Pake, sorry, Pake, can't do it, man. Not till Steve gets his, his voicemail <laughs> in. Sorry. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we had some really good feedback, a little bit more than what we had last week. So always love hearing from you guys. Guys, don't be shy. I want to hear from you. You can email us, send me a tweet, slide into my DMs yeah. on Instagram, whatever you want to do. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I loved, I'm totally here for yeah. it. Love the style of feedback this week too, with a lot of, 
a lot of it being information that either we had missed or that we were asking about or because it, then it brings it, you know, this is not just me and Rima having a conversation, but this is a conversation that you guys get to listen to a little after ours, but then you get to be a part of it by, by submitting stuff like that and filling us in on the gaps and, and answering questions and giving us that kind of feedback. I really, really love that. Yeah. This is a collaborative effort. We don't do this mm-hmm. alone, guys. This <laughs> we, we this is a collaborative effort. This podcast doesn't happen with just us. Um, I love hearing from you guys and some, yeah, you guys do that extra research and get us some answers. People are listening to us, Paik. I know. It's great. People listen to us and they're like, <laughs> you guys had these questions. Let me give you some answers. <laughs> God, you know how humbling that is? It's awesome. It really is. Oh, it's amazing. I love you guys. Um, well, next week we will be covering season two, uh, episode five from the Umbrella Academy titled Valhalla. Mm. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. No description. I'm not getting spoiled by descriptions anymore. That's it's terrible. Why do they do mm. that? I don't know. Oh, so I'm not know. giving a description. Uh, you guys are probably by the time that we publish this, you've probably already watched it and you already know and you don't need one. Well, we are really excited for you to follow us through time. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Stranger TCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pot. You can email us or send us a voice message at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com and go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. Some great podcasts out there. Yeah, lots of good stuff. Yeah, I think Jason and Lucy just covered, um, what did they do? Oh, they did Misery. Misery, which was a great, great listen. Oh, man. Well, as always, as Mm -hmm. always, um, they set the bar kind of high over there. We just try to to hang hang a little on our side of things, on our side of the fence over here at Strange Indeed. Um, And then, yeah, we're getting ready to pick back up. We've been covering um, on House Podcastica. I've joined in with Jason and his good friend, Rich, uh, covering Cobra Kai. We've done season one. And then we decided to go ahead and cover all the movies as well. Even three, guys. Even Karate Kid 3. We did it. We went there. And you should just go have fun and listen to it. And then we're getting ready to jump back into uh, season two because they are getting ready to release Cobra Kai seasons one and two on Netflix. Um, Probably by the time this podcast is published or the next day. I guess it depends on when I actually get this thing out, but it's this week, um, Cobra Kai seasons one and two. So we're going to fall in line with season two and start covering it. week by week as well we cover two episodes a week there so i highly encourage if if you need something fun to watch i know lots of people didn't watch cobra kai at first because it was on youtube that premium thing that they had or whatever um so i think it's gonna get a pretty good audience being released on netflix because more people have netflix than the the youtube thing or whatever yeah so check that out we're having so much fun and if you guys need some like something to lighten your day i highly encourage that and Cobra Kai is a great way to go. <laughs> it is. It's super fun. We have a great time with it for sure. Um, so yeah, go out and check out all of them. Well, all right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Paige. And Lindsay Schlicht is strange indeed.